What's up, guys? We're live with the first episode of Pause for Popcorn. Uh, I'll go around and introduce everyone first. We got Josh from Seattle. What's up? And we've got Tyler. From Virginia. Hello. From Virginia. And JT. What's up, guys? No How's it going? a cool catchphrase. <laughs> okay, what do you want me to say? Like, bazinga? <laughs> Just bam! <laughs> No, there will be no Big Bang Theory references on this podcast. That's our first decree. Penny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my name's Jeff. Uh, so what's up, guys? Welcome to the first episode. Uh, I'll just give a quick rundown since this is our first episode. Uh, how this is going to work is we're um, – basically, this will be a once-a-week podcast. Uh, it's not going to be a news podcast. We're not going to be discussing weekly topics. Um because there's no way I can keep up with that, and you guys have all heard it already. Uh, so the way it works, we're going to have a really short 30, 45-minute podcast every week, and we're just going to talk about one or two topics. We'll probably alternate between um, some feature topics, and just uh, I'd like to do every second show about a specific movie franchise or a movie in general. Uh, so we're starting off with Star Wars, because we had some huge Star Wars news uh, last month, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Why don't you guys... Uh, to, uh, I guess, give everyone a little bit of frame of reference for how big of a Star Wars nerd you are. We'll start with you, Josh. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, okay. Um, actually, I didn't see Star Wars until I was... I'm not sure if I should admit this on this podcast, but I was 13. Um, and then I, I binged the original trilogy... And I quite liked them. And this was, I mean, this was pre-internet. I mean, this was like 1993, 94. So this was, I didn't have a chance to get spoiled, um, you know, by all the shocking revelations. And um, So you started like, with the original trilogy? Yes. Well, okay. there, was, there were no other movies. <laughs> um, I don't think. No, no. No, so, so okay, so I watched them and I really liked them, and then um, and then I saw the prequels and I really didn't like them, and uh, and then I saw the new ones. Um, I'm not really sure how else to make that exciting. <laughs> All right, that's good enough. What about you, Tyler? Um, gosh, it's Star Wars is probably one of the earliest. Uh, film memories that I have. I think the the oldest one is Great Mouse Detective, if any of you guys remember that. Yes. Um, but definitely uh, film memories that I have. I have a very strong memory of Empire Strikes Back. That's always uh, been my favorite, Star Wars uh, specifically. Um, and so just, yeah, from then, the movies, you know, um, got super stoked when the prequels came out. And so, you know, I was, what, eight when Phantom Menace came out, so I was too young and stupid to kind of understand, like, you know, oh, hey, Jar Jar's obnoxious and unnecessary and all this other stuff that, you know, now that I'm older, it's like, yeah, okay, you know, uh, some some questionable decisions were made during the movies. But the kids loved it. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, the kids, and that's always, you know, People can always say, like, well, that's how George, you know, intended it to be. It was always going to be for kids. It's like, yeah, but then, you know, you can also say that he should have maybe later on 
structured it towards the people who were actually mainly consuming it. Uh, but anyway, uh, big fan of the movies, big fan of the games, Rogue Squadron, Shadows of the Empire on the old N64 uh, were favorites of mine. Yes. Uh, got into the books. I think I started with uh, Truce at Bakura and then got into the Thrawn trilogy and just went off from there. So uh, comics and yeah, just basically any kind of uh, big Star Wars media thing I could get my hands on, whether it's games or, you know, uh, uh, the Gendi Tartatoski Clone Wars uh, that they that he did uh, before Revenge of the Sith came out, and then the CG show. Uh, yeah, that's basically my bet. Sweet, and JT, how about you? I think you might be the biggest nerd here. <laughs> Sorry, you cut out for a second. Did you did you say me? Yeah. Okay. Give yeah, us your my internet's quick, being spotted. Uh, T- TLDR Star Wars fandom. Okay, cool. Yeah, Tyler pretty much hit hit all the nails for me. Um, you know, whether whatever media that Star Wars is in, uh, whether it be books, games, movies, uh, stuff, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and even with the with the comics now, like I I I at this age, just like just like like last year just started getting into the comics because they had like backstories from like that were supposed to like bridge the force awakens and stuff. And like, I think it's cool. I love that, um, that they have an an established Canon now. I think all the, all the expanded universe so far has been awesome, but, um, going forward, it just, it makes it feel like, um, you know, we can kind of all, all, uh, be on the same page where there's not like, you know, grabbing stuff from here and there, but, I like I like to just like to have the the coherent universe, but it started off for me um, really young. I had an awesome brother-in-law who introduced me to the original trilogy, Star Wars, like the Jurassic Parks, like all these cool like movies that every like I don't know like seven eight year old um, thinks is like wow this is awesome, and it was just like steamrolled from there. Like I I remember too like the Shadows of the Empire being scared shitless. Uh, going to the Wampa, the Wampa yeah. scene, yeah, with like the ice like cracking and stuff, and man, like that, I had such great memories with those with those N sixty four games, especially Rogue Squadron. Like, my gosh, <laughs> I, and I think those games actually like drove forward my love of Star Wars. Like being able to like, um, even though like they're not canon now, like St- Shadow of the Empire, like dr- going and, and and flying the uh, oh, with the name of the of. Dash Rendar's B-wing ship escaping. Or, uh, uh, Outrider? Uh, yeah. yeah, anyways. Just flying that around, like, the final stage and, like, going in, like, the boss battles and stuff. Like, I, I just love everything. Everything Star Wars. And it started from, from like, seven, eight years old. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm lucky myself. Um, you know, the, I think the first time I actually watched it was in theaters. And I just lucked out. The, the re-releases, I know they have their problems um, but they were in theaters in 97, uh, I believe, and I was 10 years old, which was the perfect fucking age to get into Star Wars. Uh, so my mom was a good enough parent to take me to each of those in theaters. So I got to see New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi in theater. Um, you know, And I stand by the, the special edition of Empire Strikes Back is actually pretty good. I don't think there's anything really terrible added. The new special effects are really good. Uh, Jedi is probably the worst one, or New Hope. Uh, those are both a little butchered, but um, yeah, that's where I got into it, and then I actually liked the prequels. I think I liked The Phantom Menace. By the time I watched Attack of the Clones, I knew there was problems. 
but I was still <laughs> young enough to get some enjoyment out of it. I liked the stupid flipping around. Uh, and then I, I did, and I still do enjoy uh, Revenge of the Sith quite a bit. Probably, mm-hmm. um, I think Return of the Jedi might still be better for me, just because the last half hour of that movie is so good. Uh, but I'm not a fan of the Ewok stuff at all. Uh, and, the, you know, even though I've soured on the prequels as time has go on, gone on, I still think each one has some good things in it. Uh, yeah. So I, I don't like to write them off completely. Like, some people do. They exist, and they're part of it, and they're flawed, but... Um, I love all of it. So that's uh, the extent of most of my Star Wars knowledge is just the movies. I've watched all the movies like five or ten times. Um, I'm going through Clone Wars. I haven't seen Rebels. I never got into the extended books and comics and stuff like that, even though I want to. I just haven't been able to find the time. Uh, so any references to those, uh, I'll have to defer to you guys. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. But did you say that you don't like Ewoks? I said no, I don't. No. I do not like Ewoks. Come on, man! Like I wanted to be friends. A bunch with of Ewoks teddy bears whenever, should not like... be able to take down uh, an empire at the height of their power. <laughs> oh, I guess you end. could argue they were crippled by the events of the first two movies. Yeah, well, I have to, you know, raise my my nerdy glasses. You know, well, you see, you know, the reason they're able to be defeated so easily is because the what was it? The Force Awakens changed it. It's like, oh, well. The stormtroopers of the Imperial era, like, their standards weren't as great, you know, uh, across all of the various academies and did it did. So that's probably just what happens, like, you know, Emperor Palpatine says, like, oh, an entire legion of my best troops. And it's like, eh, yeah, but they came from this academy, which has pretty low, you know, ratings and yada, yada, yada. They shouldn't have been defeated by a bunch of teddy bears. Yes. That, that, the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's the extent of my take on it. Um, so without wasting any more time, I want to get into uh, kind of the meat of this topic. So I want to talk about the future of Star Wars. So we're not going to discuss The Force Awakens or how Ray's Mary Sue. That's all been done to death. Um, what I want to talk about is a little bit of Episode Eight and a little bit of Episode Nine, even, uh, to the extent that we can. So let's start with the trailer. That was a really right. fucking good trailer. Yeah. Um, absolutely well i guess i don't want to go through it scene by scene let's start about the beginning kind of we see ray's obviously picks up right where uh force awakens left off ray's training with luke what's going on on that island i guess and kind of what is what do you guys think the the conversation goes like Uh, we know he says the jedi must end um is he taking her on and training her because he kind of knows that he needs her to do something or do you think she's pushing him to take her on uh my impression, it seems like, you know, just based off of his reaction at the end of Force Awakens, is she's going to be the one to kind of pressure to say, hey, you know, I need to do this thing. And then he's going to go, Mr. Miyagi, be like, okay, start waxing on, waxing off. Um, I don't know. I, I think at this point, he's all like, fuck this shit, I'm done. Like, and he's like, who are you like showing up like at my doorstep like get out of here like yeah that conversation has got to be awkward you know like oh like i, I told your mother never to you know drop you off here all that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> something like that what do you think yeah, josh he left for a reason um and i can't imagine that he's going to be too terribly happy to have company i mean just I mean, I mean, the, the only shot that we have is, you know, the end shot of um, Space Now on my movies, on, on Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. And, um, the helicopter pan. 
that everyone Yeah, hates. I don't I don't know. I mean, it's played in such a open to interpretation way how he reacts to her that I, I'm not entirely certain what he's going to do, but I don't think personally I don't think he's going to be terribly happy. Um, some people mentioned uh, the, one of the last shots where he says it's time for the Jedi to hand or we've got uh, John in chat saying it's uh, not Mark Hamill saying it's time for the Jedi and he says it's Benicio Del Toro's character uh, hmm. I don't, I'm listening to that a few times, I'm positive it's Hamill but he says that <laughs> in a cave and some people were speculating there might be a cave role in this uh, similar to what Luke went through in Empire Strikes Back now I'm of the opinion I don't think they would do that, I know um, The Force Awakens uh, got some criticism I don't really agree with, but there are some points. Uh, it was familiar in certain spots, and uh, I really do think they're going to take Episode Eight um, in a very fresh direction, and uh, Ryan's going to do some interesting things with it. I think taking, I hope so. Yeah. You know, I know, re- like Lucas talks about poetry and uh, everything in Star Wars. It echoes what came before, but I think if you have another cave scene like that you risk falling into the, the same trap and criticism that Forrest Awakens had, where we're like, okay, we saw this in the second movie of the original trilogy. We don't need it in the second movie of this one. Uh, do, do you guys think they really need to be careful with, um, I guess, staying too close to the formula of the past ones? Yes. I think it was okay to do it with Force Awakens because Star Wars is very much a seminal um, franchise and very, you know, very beloved, uh, you know, sometimes to an extent that's unhealthy. So I think they did the smart thing in playing it a little safe with Force Awakens, but I think to, you know, I think they need to take it to the next level and kind of go a little bit more crazy uh, with Last Jedi. Safe is the word that first came to my mind uh, whenever you say The Force Awakens, but there was, like radical differences like so uh tarkin and and vader they blew up one planet Mm -hmm. uh kylo and i almost called snape uh (laughs) snow too much harry potter (laughs) yeah i know i know we just marathoned through all those they blew up five like including the the capital planet of the resistance so there is like which i don't agree with by the way i think that was kind of uh cheesy like because it's like oh by the way here's five planets and they're gone see ya yeah the execution was way off nobody watching that understood what was actually happening yeah yeah but since since we're talking about the like the future going forward i I do believe that they need to be different um they they can't just play it a little bit safe uh but change you know a few things here one planet versus five that kind of deal like i want to see something totally like the hoth scene in in empire strikes back i love all of that like i I wanted to go and like visit Hoth as a kid, just because mm-hmm. that was so cool and different than anything we've ever seen before. So you I come hope to Canada. Like... It's like that six months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but yeah, I want to see some. I want to see some risks taken. I want to see some stuff that's like unique. Um, but at the same time, you know, keeping that Star Wars charm. Um, another thing that's come up a lot, and I believe at the last Jedi, last Jedi panel, I think they said. Uh, Ray's origin and Ray's family will be addressed in some form in this movie. Um, so bef- before I get your guys' opinions, I want to mention, uh, I know a lot of people were insisted uh, that she was related to Luke. But if, I mean, I noticed this the second time I watched The Force Awakens. Maz says to her, um, right before she tells her to go find Luke, she says, whoever your family was, they're not coming back. Forget about them. 
So if she's saying that and then sending her after Luke, that kind of contradicts it unless she doesn't know. But I get the impression that Maz knows uh, kind of Ray's past and has a sense of everything. So I think that there rules out her being related to Luke. Um, I do think they might, they are hiding her name for a reason and her heritage and Star Wars likes to link everything together. The Obi-Wan Kenobi relation has been tossed and I thought it'd be interesting um, where Obi-Wan kind of mentored Luke early on. You now have Luke mentoring um, maybe an offspring of Obi-Wan. There'd be that nice symmetry that they like to do so much in the movies. So that's kind of my take on it. What do you, what do you guys think? Uh, I think, I think the Obi-Wan angle could be interesting because when you, in the scene where she's having the flashback or nightmare or whatever about, um, Kylo killing all of the apprentices, um, at the failed Academy, you know, in the subtitles, it says like, you know, Yoda saying Ray, um, and Obi-Wan Kenobi saying Ray. So, like, yeah, maybe there's... People could extrapolate, like, yeah, you know, she could be related. She could be Rey Kenobi, you know, whatever. Um, and in the Clone Wars, like, you'll, you'll find this out eventually. It's not too big of a spoiler. Um, but, uh, like, Anakin, like, one of his biggest failings as a Jedi was that he formed romantic attachment. Well, Kenobi did, too, at one point. Um, so, there's... That's open, but I, I really don't know. Like they didn't go too too far into that in Clone yeah, they Wars, didn't. though. They didn't, and so like, if it was important, I feel like they would have maybe put that more up on a pedestal, other than it being kind of like a, a oh by the way, like yeah, exactly, and and because that was just more of a thing for like him to for him to say like, hey, I know what you're going through with. Padme, because hey, I've been there too. You know, we've all been there, so on and so forth. So, eh, like, I would say it's more likely that she's related to Luke at this point, just based off of the like very little information that we have. But she could be, she could belong to anyone. She could be Lando's, for all we know. <laughs> yeah. Josh, what are your what are your takes? Is Obi Wan even uh, too predictable? I, I I don't know. I feel I feel like um, I feel like Ray and Luke is too obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's been I mean, it's, and it's been analyzed and discussed to death. I mean, they still might do it, but it, it I don't know. It would almost feel anticlimactic. I think. Yeah. Least. Yeah. That's that's kind of the way I feel about it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to think of anyone else who's a I, major part of these movies that would mm. fit the bill. I think but, that yeah. she is... Uh, I'm blanking. Gosh, never mind. Yoda's um, daughter. Who's that, who's yeah, that well... <laughs> no, Snape. Snape? Why does <laughs> Snape, Snape has come up twice in this podcast? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Snoke is not um, a good name. I don't like Snoke. I still okay. Um... How, how about this though? She's Luke's stepdaughter or something. Like he finally found someone. He found his quote unquote Mara Jade, and uh-huh. she's like, "Oh hey, I already had this kid from this other you know mm. thing." 
was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. I'll I'll take take her on. So and no stuff. no blood relation, but then you're saying he does know her. He has met her before. Possibly, you know, okay. just saying like, hey, there's no blood relation between us, but there is like, you know, you know, I was in love with your mother, or whatever, blah blah blah, hmm. you know, because yeah, maybe they could do I, something like that. It's like. You know, aha, it was almost what you thought, but, you know, we did a little M. Night Shyamalan, like, you know, a little twist. <laughs> All right, well, I think she could be, uh, she could be a Mothma, maybe. Yeah. Ray Mothma. Like Mon- Mothma, yeah. No? No? <laughs> or, uh, Everything's about, on about, the table uh, at this point. They... What about Malakili, the, the Rancor... The Rancor uh, holder guy. Oh my oh, god! The guy that cries. Yeah. <laughs> so what? She's this whole Guard. thing's a con and a way for her to get Luke's trust so she can get revenge. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I could deal with it. it be yeah. like off, offspring of Bosk. <laughs> god, I can't believe everyone in these movies has a name. Uh, so let's go from Luke then to Leia. Um, we know she has a significant role in Eight. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. it still makes everyone heart sink every time we see pictures of those, that footage of her. Um, yeah. uh, so I guess how, what do you see her, her role being in this? Is she still, we know the, I guess the Senate's gone. She's still leading the resistance. Um, I guess what's her role now? And yeah, let's go with that. How big's her role in this movie? And what do you think she does? Where is she at? Is the resistance kind of um, stronger now after their victory over Starkiller base? Yeah. I mean, I guess to an extent, because, like, the thing is, like, there is a difference between the Resistance and the New Republic, because the Resistance was, you know, secretly supported by the New Republic, but there was still a very clear division between the two. So now that the, the Senate and the Chancellor and all those people are literally dead, like, she's kind of like, what is it with, um... In the United States government, it's the the order of succession. Uh-huh. Like, well, there is kind of no order of succession because literally everyone on the list is dead. Isn't that so the Keeper she... Sutherland show where he like becomes the president because everyone dies? Designated survivor. Designated <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's kind of like you know, well, I was a senator at one point, and you know, uh, yeah, sure, Darth Vader was my dad, but hey, you know, I've done all these cool things, and she becomes like. I'm guessing she just kind of becomes de facto person in charge of the Republic slash resistance. Because I kind of think after that point, like the whole reason the resistance came to be was because she didn't. Well, she said the Republic is not taking the stance against the first order that it needs to. So I'll do it myself and make the resistance. So now that she's like the only kind of, capable person left the division between the republic and resistance is probably going to be you know not uh non-existent so i see her as just being kind of the behind the scenes like the mon mothma kind of character Mm -hmm. of just like you know all right i need you to go kill some bothans for me real quick uh and do all this other fun (laughs) stuff but no Bothans were were harmed. <laughs> I mean, that's, Rogue, that's Rogue Two. That's Rogue Two. We have to get to that too. Speak, okay, so Ray could Ray could be uh, uh, what's her face's uh, daughter, the from Rogue One, um, Jin or so. Jin, maybe because like they're saying, 
what was it? I read something like, oh yeah, Disney's looking at a Rogue One sequel. It's like, but how? Like they all, they're all literally dead. Uh, mm. but they're yeah, some they're trying to think of some kind of like, oh yeah, at the last possible nanosecond, a ship swooped in and picked up, uh, Jin and what's his face. Okay. Interesting. I mean, well, I mean, it's like yeah. it's like in Game of Thrones. If you don't see the character die, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do do we get a um, a Luke and Leia reunion in eight? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Or I think do you they, think they were to. planning to save that for nine. Mm-hmm. I really hope we get it in eight because we're not. Yeah, going to get. Yeah, I think yeah. that that moment might make me cry honestly like friggin like that that would just have so much weight to it like outside of movies even like those two have been friends forever yeah like from from the beginning of of their careers basically well, not beginning but like very early in their careers like and and they have such a reverence for for each other and that's just going to be a very big uh momentous moment whenever it happens so i really hope we get that um so, I just, yeah sorry go ahead i just hope that it wasn't being saved for you know episode nine yeah i mean i mean that's the thing i've read some stuff obviously nine hasn't even shot yet so and they they did say um someone can correct me on this if i'm wrong i believe mm-hmm. they said uh they rewrote the entire thing uh or started rewrites after she passed away um and they so the, the question is how are they going to handle Obviously, she's not a nine at all. Um, there was rumors about the digital recreation, reusing footage from eight. None of that's happening. They're not reusing scenes shot from eight. They're not digitally recreating her. She does not appear in the movie. So the, the way I see it, they have three options. They can kill her off, off screen. They that's can, not happening. Yeah. They can write no. her out in a way where she's alive but doesn't appear. I, I actually, I guess those are, yeah. those are the only two options. Um, yeah. You know, and I will point back i always point back to um uh star trek beyond i thought they handled leonard nimoy's death really well uh he was a big part of those earlier movies not a major character but he played a role um and they had a moment in the movie that was like 30 seconds where they just took young spock aside and said oh there's a message for you and it was just a nice little tribute to him with an old photo they had one at the end of the movie as well with the original cast um and i thought that was a really nice way to handle it and it respected the character um, and I wouldn't mind seeing them do something like that, but uh, I guess do you guys think they should kill her off? Because I, I feel like killing her off off-screen, uh, like, I think JT's against this as well. It diminishes the character. She deserves a better end. Um, yeah. So if they could find a way to just you know make it so that she does something, but um, I, what do you guys think? Like, how do they handle it? Like, they could do the whole, like... What is it? The second movie is always the one that gets dark. Like, Two Towers gets darker, Empire obviously gets darker, uh, everything like that. Because, you know, what's the, uh, the, big, the big sacrifice at the end of Empire is Han, you know, going into Carbonite. Um, they could just kind of do that, you know, they might be pulling that card of like, okay, you know, we're just going to kind of follow the ingredients of the original trilogy, but, you know, that might make more sense because of what happened. You know, she could just, they could just have something go wrong at the very end of the movie 
like, you know, Star Destroyer comes in and just crashes it crashes into the ship and then everyone cries. <laughs> and they're like, okay, let's go. <laughs> Done. <laughs> See you yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not <laughs> well, that is, happen. That is uh that is definitely a proposal, but <laughs> It's a it's a tough situation, right? I mean, mm. there's no I don't think there's there's a good answer right now. It's just and it's tough because we don't know what happens in eight, right? You don't know where it leaves off, so it's really hard to say. Yeah, and in accordance or going along with with uh, your earlier question, like I believe that Leia plays a very big role in eight, and so going from somewhere where she was present in seven, huge role in eight. I believe, you know, she's a general now. I think she's going to be sending people out left and right. And like, you know, she's going to be the war master behind everything. Um, kind of the, the coordination and, and all that. So going from seven to eight and then like having no presence or a reduced presence in nine, is going to be kind of like, whoa, what happened? Where's our leader? Where's our yeah. you know, rally, rally person, person to rally, rally behind. So, See, I don't know. It's to to me that's the problem with leaving her alive though, is because she if she is such a big figure in eight, it's really hard to have her alive in nine and not make it feel weird that she's never on screen. Yeah, you I don't know? know. Like the 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 best way to solve the problem would be to end her character in some way, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think due to her legacy that they're going to do that. So. I don't. I mean, it's there's no easy way to to appease both things. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah, and it sucks. Right. That was one thing that I I noticed before Disney acquired Lucasfilm. There was always a point when I was reading the books and like, okay, who's going to be the person to write the book? that kills Luke, Leia, Han, and so on. Because there was a guy who wrote a book that killed Chewie and pissed yeah. everyone off. You know, and then they killed... Then there's like, okay, we're going to kill their kids too. But there was nothing that showed, like, this is the end of Luke and so on. Like, they had a comic series that was like 100 years in the future. It's like, okay, well, obviously they're dead. But... So the films was like, okay... You know, and Force Awakens did that, and I think that was the best way to do it. It's like, okay, here's Han, iconic character. You know, he he's going out with a bang. Yeah, but I, and the the thing, the reason Han's death works is that it it plays a story role. It cements Kilo yes. as like, yes, he is. Well, at least in my opinion, he's not coming back from this. Like, this is yeah. his commitment to this side. Whereas just killing Layoff. To not have her in the movie, like if they're gonna do it, it needs to really serve the story in a meaningful yes. way. You yeah. know what I can see totally happening? Like it, this may be potential spoilers. Like I may be calling what happens, but she may be like feeling guilty about what happened. What you know, like Han went to to sacrifice himself, mm-hmm. and she may be feeling guilty. So she leaves to go to like save Kylo because she feels mm. all this guilt and like she can't get over it, and then they give like one last long look at her like smiling and then turning off and then that's the last we see and it's like just up in the air you know like that's the best way that i can Mm -hmm. think to of course this all assumes that she survives through eight (laughs) 
They, yeah. they can't come out and say she's not in Nine at all, because then they, they don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, all right, so, uh, you know, and not to get too morbid here, um, but, on, you know, on the topic of mortality, uh, John Williams, as everyone knows, is getting up there in age. Uh, his yeah. health still, still seems pretty good. Uh, he was at the Star Wars celebration, which was an amazing moment when he came out uh, and performed those pieces. Um, and Josh, you might have a, a good perspective on this topic, being a professional concert musician. Um, so let's talk music. John Williams, okay. I believe, is is in the process of or has already scored uh, Episode 8. Um, mm-hmm. For Episode 9, let's say he is unable uh, to score it for whatever reason. Um, does Michael Giacchino, if I'm pronouncing that right, is he your guy's pick? He did Rogue One uh, to come in and kind of finish this trilogy, or do you guys have any other um, composers that you'd like to see? Or were you happy with the Rogue One score, I guess? Um, Rogue One was fine. It was written very quickly. Um, it was kind of a, it was a rush job because the original composer was, they claimed that, um, that there were schedule issues with, um, with De Plas score, but I think it was probably um, creative differences. So he left, and then Giacchino had, I think, four months to write two hours of music, which is a lot of pressure to put on a composer. Um, but he did it, and, he, and for the most part, I think he did a good job. Um, you know, there were, there were kind of a few moments where I was kind of like, Hmm. Okay, that was that was interesting. Like the, like the main title sequence when um it, the music kind of builds to what sounds like it's going to be um, the main Star Wars theme or Luke's theme, but then it kind of goes off and does something very different. And I re- and I remember thinking, I, I'm not quite sure if that worked. <laughs> you know, well, I think in that case, that's, they're trying to say like this is different. It's not an anthology yeah. film, but it definitely set the tone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, but I think that if yeah if if John Williams either is unable, I mean he's he's eighty five now, and uh, and he's he's written a good chunk of Episode Eight as far as I I mean I think that's the information that we have. He's going to continue writing more as the movie continues to be edited and goes through post production. But if he is unable to write nine, if maybe let's say he's just he just doesn't have the energy to do it anymore, or God forbid he, you know, he dies. Uh, I think that um, I think that Yukino would be a good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can't think of anyone else. I mean, if they want that specific Star Wars sound, and, and you know, they clearly do. I mean, I can't think of anyone else who is an A-list composer at this time. You know, who could really, you know, capture that sound? Yeah, I mean, there's there's only so many of them out there, right? <laughs> and, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want them to really bring who's been doing, uh, you know, the chunk of the Marvel movies. I know Giacchino did uh, a few of them, but those have been uh, mm-hmm. largely forgettable. So it's mm-hmm. it's tough. You need the familiar cues, but you also um, need to make it sound fresh and exciting. Because music, to me, is such a big part of Star Wars. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever you think of the prequels, it gave us Across the Stars. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, I, I went to... I went to a, a Star Wars symphony uh, a couple years ago, and it was by far the coolest thing ever. Uh, you know, 
hearing all those those pieces together and just had the flowing right into another, like, it gave me goosebumps. And that's how good the Star Wars music has always been. Um, it, 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 it takes you to a point where you know exactly what was going on in that scene and exactly, you know, what they're trying to say with the piece of music. And it's just, it's beautiful. Um, and it just creates this awesome, like, framing of, of everything. And, um, yeah, I think they're going to do Hans Zimmer for the next one, though. What? Just get some big old horns in there. <laughs> oh man, that would be uh, that would be interesting for sure. Maybe not for a mainline film. Maybe they bring him in for something else. I don't know. Um, the, Incep- the Inception horn. Um, yeah, just yeah I don't know. Yeah. I I say give Danny Elfman a shot. Let's okay. get let's get a little something Simpson Simpsonsy sounding. I c- I could see it. I've liked. Uh, I'm not yeah. familiar with a ton of his work. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. the Spider-Man theme I, I love of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably my favorite piece. But yeah, I could see that. Um, who did? Who did? No, Zimmer did Man of Steel. I'm thinking of something else. Who did Lord of the Rings? Howard Brian, Shore. Brian Ty- Howard Shore. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That would that would be different, but. Hmm. I I guess for nine, I I really want them to hew close to that. You know what? I want to be consistent. I want it to feel in line with seven, eight, and the original ones. Uh, if they do mm-hmm. another trilogy, you know, if they do a ten, eleven, twelve down line, which they probably will because money, um, th- yeah. then I, I don't mind it being a little bit different, especially if they're moving away from the Skywalker story after that. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to have some something that just really ties it all together. I think for nine. Um, so t- talking about other movies, then I guess for our final topic, I wanted to touch on uh, the third anthology film. So they, when they announced this new uh, sequel trilogy, they also announced they'd have three anthology films in the off years. We got Rogue One. We know we're getting Young Han Solo. That's filming right now. <clears throat> what would you guys want to see for the third anthology film? I know there's been rumors of an Obi Wan <laughs> movie, but they're already doing Young Han Solo. I don't think I don't feel like we need two movies focusing on existing characters that we already know. Um, I think Rogue One was really cool that it filled in a gap but told a story we hadn't heard before. Uh, so what, what do you guys think? What do you want to see for the, that third untitled project? Well, okay. Jeff, I think it has to be about Jar Jar. Jesus Christ, I knew someone was going to say <laughs> I don't I know if you saw, uh, but Liam Neeson was on the Last Jedi panel via conference call, uh, and he confirmed mm-hmm. that Jar Jar went to the dark side. That's canon. You did, yeah. It, it was was I, it Liam? What, someone came on that call. It was either Liam or Sam Jackson, but I'm pretty sure it was Liam Neeson. Said oh, Jar Jar went dark side, and that's that would. I, I actually that. hope it was Samuel L. Jackson because that would be the best thing ever to see him say like, "Yeah, Jar Jar totally went to the dark side." <laughs> <laughs> he's, Evil he's motherfucker! Now. <laughs> I don't. I can totally see Jar Jar with a red lightsaber. It's just I can mm. see it in my mind. It's just and it's amazing. Say yeah. uh, again. <laughs> no, I think I, I'll be the one guy that says like eh, Boba Fett movie would be kind of cool, mm. something like that. You know, maybe take some uh, him, Bosk, Dengar, all the other bounty hunters, do kind of a a Suicide Squad type thing, but Good. way better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was gonna that was gonna be my answer almost exactly. Like. Um, uh, have kind of like a tales, tales from the Cantina, yep. those books, yep. um, where they had different stories from all the iconic, the Bosque, the IG88, uh, people like that, um, or 
people, robots, a- aliens. Um, I think that'd be really cool just to see all those guys because they got like three seconds of screen time yeah. uh, in the original trilogies, and they're they're like they're the most famous characters with the least amount of time on movies ever. I would have to say it's yeah. just kind of crazy. So like, but I I think it's cool. I think they're cool. You know? Yeah, I do too. Even though, even though people are always gonna say like, you know, oh, well, you only like Boba Fett because of the cool helmet. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's like that's the same kind of thing when you're talking to girls. It's like, oh, I'm gonna go talk to her because I find her attractive and stuff. I'm visually, I visually like what I see, and then you get get to know the thing or the person. It's like, you know, oh, hey, you know, you're actually a cool person because you know you can do that with Boba Fett. It's like, oh yeah, he's done all this cool stuff. Yeah, I, I think I, another interesting. Th- sorry, go if you're gonna stay on the topic no, of that. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I think that kind of fits in line. I feel like lately they've been kind of um getting us used to the notion that it's not just light and dark. There's shades of gray in between, and I think that might be a big part of the Last Jedi. Uh, it's on the poster: the red lightsaber turning to blue. Maybe Rey has to walk that balance and maybe do some uh, questionable things. We saw that in Rogue One with uh, some of the stuff that um, Cassian did. Uh, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning of the movie, uh, you need to do sometimes uh, unethical or um, you know bad things to to win. And I think getting that point of view of the bounty hunters who aren't necessarily evil or good; they're just in it for themselves. Um, maybe just with a little less uh, a little less character than Han Solo has. Um, but <laughs> that that would be a nice way to keep exploring that and just uh, tell these stories of why they are the way that they are. Yeah, and you know a little bit of. Uh elaboration on that um the aftermath books from chuck windig that bridge the gap um between uh six and seven um they have their own set of bounty hunters they're not you know a a boba fett tier bounty hunters they're completely new characters but it is cool to like dive into those stories and kind of um get the mindsets of of these different because they are different characters and they like um you know they're they're a little bit more modern thinking um, as, as far as as what their motivations are. Um, so it is cool to see at least the some sort of media dive into to something like that. But what I was going to say is something is completely off off the wall. But I think it'd be really cool to explore is the Mandalorian Wars because mm-hmm. um, those are referenced in Rebels um, whenever they're kind of diving into Sabine's story. So. Um, yeah. I think that would be kind of an interesting premise, but it may be t- too obscure to, uh, yeah. you know. I just want Thrawn in a movie. That's all I yeah. care about. <laughs> that would be cool. That might be, be hey, cool. we don't know. That could be, people have speculated that might be Benicio Del Toro. Because I saw a picture of like a mock, mock-up of like what he would look like. It was like, eh, you know, not, not bad. Not bad. We'll see. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, Well, we're running up on the time that I had uh, imagined for this first show, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Um, I want to thank you guys all for coming on for the first episode. It's been a little uh, nerve-wracking getting this all kind of lined up, but uh, I think it went pretty well. Um, So we'll be back again next Tuesday. I don't know if it'll be a live show next Tuesday. Uh, I might not be able to make it. If it isn't, uh, I'm going to have something pre-recorded this weekend. Uh, It'll go up at the same time that this normally does. And we'll take it from there. But uh, I hope you guys liked it. Um, If you haven't, please make sure you follow us on Twitter at PFP underscore podcast. Uh, And you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. I can't get a custom YouTube URL 
until I get 100 subscribers. Uh, so I really need you guys to help me out, uh, and it'll be a lot easier to give you our YouTube channel instead of whatever god-awful uh, nightmare it is right now. Uh, but the channel link is on our Twitter page as well, so you can find it all there. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll go ahead and end it there. Uh, you guys have anything else you wanted to mention, or uh, do you want to throw out your Twitter handle so people can find you? Uh, Let's go, Blues! Oh, okay. uh, live long and prosper. <laughs> Use the force, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Gandalf. <laughs> You're a hairy wizard. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <No>. Wait. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Have a good night. All right. See you guys. See ya. See ya.